Hi guys, we're your hosts Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends, welcome to this week's quickie, our super fast take on all the adulting things that matter to you. Today, we are getting ourselves ready for holiday party season and just brushing up on how to be a better conversationalist because we've all just turned into mushrooms who don't know how to talk to each other over the past few years. Yep. And being a better conversationalist, it's, I mean, it's not just about party season. It's essential in all areas of your life. It helps at work. It helps with networking, getting a new job, dating, and of course, all of the special occasions and holiday parties that are coming up that we come to dread if we are feeling awkward. Totally. And honestly, before COVID and before having a baby, I like lived for social events and parties and all that fun stuff. But I've noticed ever since those two things have happened, I'm so socially awkward sometimes now at at things and like, yeah, and I'm just like really in my head. So I'm really excited for this episode because I feel like it's just going to help me break out of my shell. I'm starting a new job in a few weeks. Woo! Your girl's employed. Ladies and gentlemen, your girl's employed. So I am just excited to get back out there and put these tips into practice and just crush it, even if it's on on Zoom because I'm working remote, but still. Plus, as we learned in our episode with Emily, the recruiter, the number one thing that recruiters look for in a candidate is likability and authenticity. So being able to carry a conversation with, you know, charisma and fun is even key for landing your next dream job. It really just improves your life all around. It really does. But I'm surprised to, you know, I think this is like representative of probably what a lot of people are feeling because like, dude, I have seen you at parties. Like Kaylin used to do the worm at company corporate parties (laughs) in a little fucking dress. She wormed right up onto the CEO of the company accidentally. I have video footage. I'll link it in the show notes. Just saying. It's so I mean, I don't know if that was a good move. Like read the room and assess, but I had a good relationship with him. It was okay. You are not a wallflower. And so- If you're feeling that as like literally the most maximum fun person at parties, then I think a lot of people must be feeling that too, just from being like locked in for so long. And then also remote work, you know, like I get it. Yeah. The pandemic's over for the most part in terms of like the world being shut down, but it's changed the way we work and live. So like I'm always at home now. Like I don't work in person very much. So I've lost that day-to-day conversationalism. And yeah, you're not alone in that. And I want to get worming Kaylin back. Got to get bust the worm out. When in doubt, bust out the worm. That's tip number one. No. When when words fail you, use your body. Worm. Use your body. <laughs> we'll get to that, actually. That's one of our points. But. It is. It is. Okay. So how the fuck do we actually get better at talking to people, though? One of the first and easiest things that you can do is start by doing some prep work if you're walking into a situation where you're feeling a little anxious Maybe you're a plus one and you don't know many people or maybe it's like a really high stakes event and you're just you're feeling a little nervy. So if it's a specific occasion, the best place to start is like come prepared with some specific stories or talking points to start those conversations. I always do that. I have like a few things top of mind that I know I can throw out. I went to a wedding right after my last trip, like got off the plane, went immediately to a wedding and I knew three people out of 600 and I couldn't find the three people that I knew. And I was, I was just, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And so then I would just start chatting with people and then be like, oh, like, how's, how's your weekend going? Like, I just got off of a plane actually. And then I would 
start telling them travel stories and have a few funny things that I could throw down to just like open up the conversation. So so whether it's a travel story, a funny thing that happened or like a new hobby that you started, honestly, even just like a movie or a TV show that's trending, if all fails, a lot of our like wider family get togethers usually just descend into like what's everybody watching. And this, even though it seems shallow at, at surface value, it can open up way deeper conversations. For example, me sharing that I've started doing these like hot, cold circuit therapies might sound a little like a weird share like okay tell me more about your sauna ice plunging like what <laughs> but it, that's actually opened up conversations about like mental health and mindfulness and self-care and things that would be weird to just jump right into just sharing something light allows you to open up a wider conversation like talking about the new season of the crown or white lotus it could just be a fun convo but now you could also talk about like class issues and politics I think one of my favorite topics to bring up right now is love is blind because I'm just so curious on everyone's opinions on like, does it matter? Like, do looks matter? Is it is it important? I don't know if anyone's following season three, but it is juicy. Oh, oh my, my God. I'm seeing it all over social and I'm feeling FOMO because I don't watch it. So maybe I should. There's some polarizing views on how it ended with one of the couples and you need to watch so we can discuss. But. Okay. Okay. See, it's such a good conversation. There starter. you go. <laughs> we're going to we're going to get into this more, but using shows or using things that are happening that are trending are a really good way to talk about bigger issues without like shoving it down people's throats you know like my this might not be popular but like my hot take on politics is that it actually shouldn't be a no-no like there's a time and a place and I don't think you should show up as not knowing anyone or show up as like you know, to your in-laws place who you've only met a few times and like start throwing down your political views. But it's okay to bring up a wider thing that's happening because these days politics are so much more than like debating over party alliances. Like it's really enforcing everything, the way that we live, the environment, human rights, so many different things. And so to to remove all of those from the table removes a lot of depth and connection that you can have with people. So yeah, I think it keeps it to surface level to surface level so don't be afraid if the time and the crowd is right to dig deep on things that matter but you know again you got to read the room and not just uh throw down some polarizing thoughts (laughs) yeah there's a way to do it respectfully that opens like a back and forth dialogue versus being Mm -hmm. like this is the way things should be and whatever you're about to say is wrong so yeah another great icebreaker in any conversation is just finding common ground between you and the person that you're talking to so if mm-hmm. you do a little b- bit of research beforehand, a little Instagram creeping and figure out if Creep you're in the, the same. Hell out of oh, yeah. <laughs> do some deep creeping. Figure out if you're like into the same hobby or you just saw that, that they went on a trip you've been dying to go on. Like that's a great thing to bring up and you can do it in a, mm-hmm. in a not so creepy way. You can like edge them and be like, <laughs> so do you travel? And then, you know, yeah. they bring it up. And it's such a good way to make a connection with a hiring manager in a job interview too or just like create a bonding moment on a date because finding that common ground just helps you ease into conversation and just lets it flow a lot naturally. It highlights mm-hmm. similarities and it just makes you feel more comfortable and familiar. So when in doubt, do some deep creeping, figure out what you're both into. And then you can always, like we said, bring up you know a current event, pop culture, and just offer a hot take on that too. Also, just lead with curiosity. Like be genuinely interested in the person. Mm-hmm. That sounds really obvious, but it can be really easy to just fall into a habit of only caring about what you have to say and only listening with the intent of like what your response is going to be rather than with curiosity and wanting to learn more about someone. So go into the conversation with an open mind and genuinely want to get to know the person a little bit better. And then that's going to 
come out that's going to create such good conversation. And one of the best ways that you can do that is by asking a lot of questions. Open-ended questions that keep the conversation going are just going to help build that connection with the person you're talking to. The worst Mm -hmm. thing is making someone just word vomit or monologue the entire time you're on a date or at a party. So prompt them. Ask follow-up questions or clarifying questions, and it just shows that you're, you know, genuinely interested in getting to know them. And Mm -hmm. it kind of helps you move on to the big talk if you're asking, like, meaningful things like, oh, and what drives you in life or what are your current goals or what inspired you to make this career change? Those meaningful questions elicit meaningful answers and just, again, create that genuine connection with you and the person you're talking to. Yeah, I honestly recommend it's geared towards love, but there's still a lot to pull from it. There's that like big article that went viral, I think in the New York Times, and it was like 36, this was years ago, it was like 36 questions to ask someone to fall in love or something. Oh. And the, it was great. Like, did I print that off and like memorize them and use them? Like, <laughs> absolutely, she did. And it just, it. it obviously isn't going to actually make sense. It's not, a, it's not a spell. <laughs> this isn't Hogwarts, <laughs> but it just, it, it opens up these these questions that create such a bonding and intimate experience between you and people and so yeah you don't want to like actually show up with a list of 36 but figure out some questions like that don't shy away from that I'm um I am not a small talk person it is not my jam and I will be the person Mm. that will on like a second date be like are you happy in life (laughs) tell me about it and my friends like stop doing that you freak and I'm like no no this is what I do (laughs) honestly that's probably so refreshing though because that person's probably feeling super awkward too. So if you're asking some different things to genuinely get to know them, they're probably like, oh, this gal is pretty cool. And I'm willing to share too. I'm not just like grilling them and that's important. No, yes. And that that brings us to our next point. It's all about 50-50 sharing. So you don't want to hold back yourself. I'm sometimes guilty of this. It's, I'm working on it. I got to open up a little bit more. But you want to make sure you're sharing 50-50 in the conversation. Yeah, because people get vulnerability fatigue if they're sharing a lot and the other person doesn't offer anything back. I've I've had a lot of trouble with that in some friendships where I'm like putting my heart on the line. I'm sharing like really difficult things. I'm really opening up. And then if the person doesn't give you anything back, you actually just walk away feeling really exhausted and drained because you're like, wow, I just fucking gave you so my much. and soul. I, it seems like you just don't have the trust or the comfort right now to share back with me, even though like we're really close. So it is important yeah. to show people and demonstrate that like I'm willing to get in there with you. Like I'm not just going to grill you. Like you can ask me things too. I'm, I'm going to open up. I think when people start, like if you were to start a conversation opening up, I immediately my guard would go down and I would feel a lot more sharing. But it's kind of, it's scary being that first one to take the leap. So good it's on true. you for being but- that person. I will say, though, like, I know that you're feeling a little more, like, socially introverted these days, but, like, that's what attracted me to you when we became friends. Like, when we worked together, you would say shit that was so funny and raw and real. (laughs) Like, one time time we were in a meeting, and your hair looked so good, and I was complimenting you on your hair, and then you had this big burn on you, and you're like, oh, I burnt my hair because I had to get up at – I burnt my hand because I had to get up at, like, 5 a.m. in order to curl my hair before I had, like, a 7 a.m. gyno appointment, and then I came to work, and I was like, who is this girl, and how do I become best friends with her? Because who goes to meetings sharing their early morning gyno appointment? I I, love you. And you got to look good for the gyno. You never know, man. That's what I said. I'm like, why are you curling your hair for your gyno, and are they hot? (laughs) 
Oh, I do like a full ceremonial prep before my gyno appointments. Like, I mean, usually it's like hair removal, not hair curling, but I love that for you. <laughs> oh, she's never looked better down there before I go to one. But yeah, she's the best she's ever been. But it's true. It's true. I, I don't I don't hold back. If I'm feeling in a safe environment, yeah. I won't hold back. I will not. Maybe it's just building that up again because you do have yes. that. I don't want you to forget that you have that ability. Like Thanks, you can man. share I some funny, that. wild shit that makes people like, oh, this person's super fun and cool and I can open up around them. I, I'll get back to the old Kaylin so that this this new job can ex- get the full experience. <laughs> worm and all. Worm and all. It's also key to remember to not also dominate the discussion because there's literally nothing worse than having someone blabble on for an hour. So it's kind of an art being able to balance, you know, sharing and making people feel comfortable and being vulnerable while also giving them the chance to share and like reading the room if the topic's getting, you know, a little uncomfortable for them. There's someone in our circle that loves to make a lot of inappropriate jokes. I think they do it when they feel really nervous. Like it's like a nervous <laughs> tick, but it's like weird sex jokes that like you do when you're it, like a kid. Is it me? No. Oh my God. Me? No, it's not you. Why would I be talking about I I do that? <laughs> yeah. Everyone has their nervous ticks, and you gotta, you gotta watch them. Like mine, it's not only when I'm nervous, but I definitely put on an accent. If I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, I'm like, yeah, that's, um, so here we are. <laughs> and so I'll just fill the space with If with Australian do- Jill busts out. There's you know, an awkward moment. Yeah. Your girl's feeling a little <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, and I also fill the space. Like if there is space to fill, I will. That's what she said. No, see, there we go. <laughs> um, but if there is space to fill, I will overshare. And I will just start like blabbing. So I need to watch myself and make sure I don't dominate the conversations because it's not my intention. I'm just like, oh, there's a silence. I better say things. Better, better fill it. Better fill it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's hard. But it is key. Like revealing personal details is such a great way to start a conversation. It makes people feel more comfortable. They open up. And that's honestly how you develop good friendships. Like had I not yeah. been so open about my gyno appointments and all the other weird shit that I do, maybe we wouldn't be here right now. Who knows? It definitely made me want to be friends with you. <laughs> But you won't always have everything in common with people. It's really easy when you do, but sometimes you won't. And you got to try not to blow your differences out of proportion because it can be really easy in this day and age, I think, to focus on what you don't have in common instead Mm -hmm. of what you do have in common. So just try to be respectful and open to people who are different than you. You know, obviously we know not to like criticize and to try not to judge people that we're chatting with when they're really different. You know, we have to aim Mm -hmm. to respect people's opinions and their right to have different views. But I really struggled with this before. I used to be in environments with people who were really different than me, like like Trump supporters, just like foundationally opposite of everything that I am. And instead of leading with curiosity and trying to understand them better, Mm -hmm. which Side note, I have uh, a cousin who's a documentary filmmaker, and I've learned a lot watching him because he is, you know, really open-minded and liberal, but he'll have conversations with people who are the most fucking opposite people in the world, and he can pry so much out of them by having zero judgment. They could say something mm. that is so fundamentally the opposite of him, and he'll just be like, tell me more about that. Why, like, why do you think that is? Or like, what, what prompted you to feel that way? Yeah. And I respect it so much because I was coming in hot. I'm like, how could you believe in this? How could you right. support this person? Right. I was always on the offense, and I was really polarized. And like, that's everything that's wrong with the world right now. The world is way too, too polarized. polarized. So I have yeah. Yeah. learned my lesson, really. And I'm trying to see that things are a lot more nuanced and... I think I think I heard this on um, 
Dax Shepard's armchair expert, and I really liked it that most of the time when people have really polarizing or opposing views, it's just everyone's operating out of fear. Most of us are just trying to appease our greatest fears in terms of our belief systems. And so when you approach it like that, just try to find out more about them. Try to find out what maybe those fears are without being like, what are you scared of? (laughs) So it's okay to have healthy debate and engage in that. But what I now understand is to disengage if it becomes arguing or if it becomes personal. Because there's a difference between healthy debate and discussion versus arguing. Right. And the conversation, be the bigger person. You know what? We're going to agree to disagree. Obviously, you feel strongly about this, and so do I, and that's okay, because I did not learn that for a while, and I would be so combative. So Yeah, you kind of want to like stay in the gray. If you stay in that zone, it's hard to get you know defensive or upset or angry, and it's yeah. hard. You got to practice it, really. You're seeking to understand, though, which is really like what so much of this is about now that we're boiling it down. It's like yeah. approaching people with curiosity instead of like prejudgment. Yeah. That being said... Do read the room. There are places where you really shouldn't bring up religion and politics and polarizing issues. Um, Your first time meeting people when you're someone's plus one. (laughs) A business lunch. Like definitely business I think is a really tough place where you're going to want to be careful about that. But I have really come to enjoy having debates about like politics and polarizing things with my good friends and with my family. I think you learn a lot. And if you shy away from that, you shy away from like some of the most important conversations conversations. we need to have right now and like that's where your sphere of influence is too even if you disagree with a family member if you can have a really civil conversation about it you might both change each other's minds a bit or show each other a side that you might not have seen a lot of this boils down to eq too like really kind of morphing the conversation around who it is you're talking with gauging their body language and how they're responding to you and if they're opening up more if they're getting closed off like if you see they're kind of like getting uncomfortable and shying away from the conversation then maybe it's we we change the topic. Like it's just not yeah. the time. And you want to make people feel as comfortable as possible. And one of the best ways to do that is giving a genuine compliment. And honestly, yes. nobody did this better than my grandma. Aww. She was the queen of this. She won over every single person she ever met by it's opening true. up the convo with something positive to say about them. And it wasn't bullshit. She wasn't just like, you know, throwing down false and like insincere things. She would see something good in every person and she was not afraid to let them know. And like, I'm talking people at Shoppers Drug Mart, people at the bank. It makes people feel so good. So it just never hurts to pay a compliment. It lightens the mood. And also, especially if you're meeting someone for the first time or you're in a group situation and you're feeling like the vibes are a bit off, it removes any feeling of threat or competition. Because unfortunately, this is what humans do, especially... Um, I find like within the same gender, if you're in a group situation and people are feeling competitive or threatened or like they need to prove themselves, people get their backs up against the wall or, and are trying to suss you out. So if you can diffuse that situation by saying something that you really do mean and that is makes them feel good, you're going to brighten their day. You're going to lighten the mood. Everyone's going to feel more confident. Yeah, it's it definitely helps like level the playing field too. You're right. And I think Also, if you're just genuinely positive and upbeat and energetic in conversations, that's also going to make you super memorable and just have people gravitate towards you in a room. When I think back at some of my most memorable conversations and situations where I I was feeling really nervous or like events where I didn't know anybody – the people who were like happy and energetic and in a genuine, not like a icky, toxic positivity way, I felt so good around those people and those were the people I stuck 
to the whole night. So let people feed off your energy and it's just going to make people gravitate towards you. The other really important thing to remember is that conversations aren't just about what you say. It's how you present yourself. So your body language really matters. Yes. Most experts agree that 70 to 90% of all communication is nonverbal. So having that warm and open body language will help create a better connection. You'll be more inviting. You'll have that positive energy that we're talking about because there's nothing worse than having a conversation with someone who is looking around the room not paying attention to you, like really disengaged. A few places to start and to keep in mind. I'm guilty of this and this one is hard for me, but try not to cross your arms. I know when I'm feeling awkward, I tend to cross my arms because I just don't know what the fuck to do with my limbs. I'm like, what do I I do with appendages? I don't know. (laughs) I lose control of my arms. So pockets or hold a drink. Try to keep your body open, warm, welcoming. Otherwise, it might come off as a bit confrontational. And then also maintain eye contact. Eye contact is such a valuable tool. We communicate so much through our eyes. I love eye contact. I have found I've gotten like a little bit weird about it because a few of my (laughs) friends say that I am like basically just eye fucking people when I look at them in the eye and like just being like way too flirty. And so I think that's a thing I do, but I'm just so, I love eyes. They're the gateway to the soul. I love looking in people's eyes. But now I find I'm like, am I doing it too much? Am I being weird? Am I giving off weird vibes? It's hard to know the balance. Personally, I think you're really good at eye contact. I find I don't know like how long you're supposed to look at somebody. That was my big thing. So I looked it up for this episode. And apparently the best way to approach it is using the 50-70 rule. So try to make eye contact 50% of the time while you're speaking and then 70% of the time while you're listening. That makes sense. Yes. But it's also like really – because it's really unsettling if someone's just like staring at you the whole time that they're talking. That's happened to me sometimes. And like is the person looking at something? Like like I start panicking about where to look. So if you're getting a little like squirrely about how long you should be looking at somebody, apparently the best length is holding that eye contact for about four to five seconds. So after Mm. four to five seconds, you can like glance a little bit to the left, look down a little bit, come right back up, and then establish it again for another four to five seconds. And obviously, like, you don't want to walk, like, you're not going to be very engaged if you sit there counting seconds. But no. Like, <laughs> practice that with even, like, if this is an actual issue you're facing, like, practice it with someone you're comfortable with that, like, you just chat yes. with all the time. Yeah. That is a very good thing to know. And I mean, that all comes back down to, like, engaging and showing people that you're, that you're listening and understanding the person. You can do that mm-hmm. by, like, nodding along, reassuring smiles. I look like one of those like fucking dog on the dashboard things. Like, you know those little like, <laughs> the toys that you stick on the dashboard? The bobble heads. Because every time someone speaks, my whole body nods. I feel like I do it's, too. It's a lot. But I want, especially in this Zoom world that we're living in, like you don't get to pick up on that body language as much on Zoom. So I just so want true. people to know that I'm listening. Being a good conversationalist is actually so much less about like dominating the conversation and having amazing things to say. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot more about making others feel listened to with your body language with your eye contact with your responses yeah so be present avoid looking around the room of definitely avoid being on your phone i fucking hate the when people worst. are on your phone when you're speaking to them i may be a terrible texter but i will not text while i'm speaking to you so no you, you know. never do you never do and then the last thing that i think a lot of people might forget about but i think we naturally just physically kind of like know to do this is remaining at eye level to the other person so You see this a lot in like really cordial environments. I've been watching The Crown. It's like (laughs) when the queen sits, the other person sits. But if the queen doesn't sit, you you all stay standing. And so obviously we're, we're not meeting with the queen. But in a meeting, even with your friends on a date, 
try to match whether people are standing or sitting or invite them to join you if you want to sit because it's a really weird power dynamic to not be at eye level to be looking down at someone or vice versa and I find I really like that with kids too when you're when you're talking to people that. that are a lot smaller than you like you want to like get down and make them feel like they're on your level yeah, it, that's like a key parenting tip to be on the level of your kids when you're if you're trying to discipline them or if you're just trying to understand how they're feeling because they feel like they're not talking to an adult anymore. They're talking to someone who's at their same, appear, yeah. you know, appear. Exactly. I'm feeling a lot more empowered to enter this new job and chapter of my life. Thanks for bringing back some of those core memories. We, I mean, me- remembering things are hard, but you know, it is hard. Who the fuck you are? You got to really hurt people. So. So there you have it, friends. We hope that these tips help you work any room you're stepping in and just add a little charisma to your conversations. You got this. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.